0: Hi, it's Sunday, and I'm doing an experiment today, because Chaim Chernoff is here twisting my arm, because he's a sponsor of today's podcast, and the experiment is that we're doing a video component as well, trying to get used to it. You know I'm technically a, a Neanderthal, and Chaim is here with me, and I'm not only recording this, in other words, as I always do for a podcast, but it's also being uh, you know, video can being recorded to be put up online as a video. I don't know if it'll work or not, but I'm taking his word for it. And he's a lot smarter than I in these things. So, uh, without any further ado, I'll just get down to the fact that today, of course, is Shivazar Thomas. I just want to say a few words about Shivazar Thomas. It'll be a little ridiculous on a fast date of historical importance to go talk about somebody else. Uh, and here's the point. Uh, Shabbat of the Thomas, I think many people are aware, is a confusion of dates. Uh, because in the book of Kings, I think, wherever, with where Jeremiah, it says that the destruction of the first temple is in the ninth of Thomas. Okay? On the ninth. Uh, now, uh, it's not clear whether that's just a mistake, um, in which case it's very interesting. I'll get back to that in a minute. Or, uh, or it's not a mistake, it's, uh, it's uh, really happened on two separate dates. I think most of you are familiar with what I'm talking about, and if you hold the second way, then you simply say, yeah, the first temple was breached, the walls of the city, whatever, were breached on the 9th, the second time was on the 17th, you can't have two fasts, I mean, come on, you know, give me a break. And so they just said, we'll go by Bayashani. heck with Bayesheni, that's one way of looking at it. Now, here's the point I going to get at. Um, I assume everybody's familiar with Shabbos of Ritama, the Mishnah says, it's five different things that happened it's uh the city was beached not the first time second time that's two and then you have uh the carbon atonement was discontinued they say in the first temple i don't know is that i mean that would be during the siege of jerusalem others would say it's the second temple whatever uh and then there's a Sarf Apostomus as a torah some dude made Apostomus burned a torah well what's the big deal about that there are a lot of safer torahs. i'm sorry to say and you know as well as i do been burned in Jewish history. Just think about how many Saboturas were burned by Hitler. That's just one, right? For some reason, Sarva Posthumus is a Torah. Some Greek guy, we don't know who a is. And a really means you drop the owl, so some guy named Posthumus. It's a Greek name, right? So Posthumus, you know, the bartender or somebody like that says it goes from the time of the Yavan, it says to be associated with Hanukkah. So that's very interesting. Most people, if you ask them what she was about Thomas, they don't make the connection Um, with Hanukkah. By Hanukkah, I mean with the Greek Shema, with the persecution of Judaism. The Greeks, as we all know, if this is true, captured the temple, and they didn't destroy it, but they raped it. And um, that's what Hanukkah is all about. The Maccabees eventually reconquered it, as we all know, and rededicated. Well, rededicated means they had to clean the place up, look like an Italian funeral home full of idols and junk like that. And so uh, this is discussed in the Megillus Titus in some detail, talked about in the past. And, according to this, one of the things the Greeks did when they captured a the temple was not simply to bring in Trafe and uh, kill the Jews and, uh, you know, bring in idols and all the rest of it, but serve a of the Torah. This guy posthumus burned the Torah. Does it mean the Torah, in a generic sense, all the saved Torahs you could find? Or does it mean uh, the master copy of the Torah, perhaps? We could talk about that. And uh, and then it says, and this guy named Postumus, who again, we don't know in history, there's no record of this guy except this Mishnah. He also set up an idol in the uh, temple in the uh, Kodesh Kodoshim. Makes total sense if it was the Greek times, the Hellenistic era. It's just interesting because I guarantee you, 99% of people, you tell them what she was in Postumus, you think of the Romans. You know, I get that. You think of the Romans. Um, okay. But, um, you know, the. the and people are a little confused. Is it Tishabog? It's the other thing. Whatever the case is. Um, here we see something connected with the Hanukkah time. There is another geir, so famous in the Mishnah. And the Mishnah says, Um, Sarf is a Torah. That's one thing. The Hoamat So using passive verb, not handmade sell No, it's not that this guy apostomus did two things. A, he burned down the Torah that he found, and number two, he set up an idol. But number, but rather you read it like this. Your uh, five tragedies. One of them is called Posthumus Burns the Torah. Okay, that's eight. And then something totally unconnected with that. Hamatzal A An uh, idol was set up in the hechol in the base of Megiddo. In the Kodesh Kedoshim. Uh when you use the passive voice, you don't know who did it, right? That's why they always make a joke. A passive voice is to be avoided at all times. In college, they always have that because you, know, you don't know who did it. So uh, who would be the ones who would put up an idol in the base of Megiddo? It's very, uh, it's very interesting that the Shalami and the would say, was a Jew. You know, no, it's a Jewish king. You had plenty of wicked Jewish kings uh, of the south, not of the north. The north also had wicked kings. Every single king of the north was wicked. Every single one of them did uh, uh, the golden calf. I repeat, every single one of them in the north did the golden calf. Some of them went beyond the golden calf, like Ahav, and they did the Baal and Asherah. But in the south, it's supposed to be Malchus based on it, but some of these Davidic kings, even though their descent from the devil and milk were nuts and when i say nuts they're pathological in their um sinning uh let's put it this way you would do an avera i get it i want to do an avera too sometimes you know it's normal but a person to do lachas because you believe in god you want to take them off that's not normal and that's what these kings did and according to that menasha or achas, they say menasha was super wicked just as part of the idea of angering god because he liked to take off God. So, he put an idol in the, in the, uh, Kosh So, that would mean, Jew did it to Jew. So, it's not the Greeks did it to us, or the Romans. We have plenty of junk from that also. But rather, instead, we have, what, what we're, we're mourning, we're fasting, because, uh, some stupid Jews did things to other stupid Jews, right? Some bad, wicked Jews, rather, <clears throat> did bad ones. Now, there's a very famous passage, I'm sure, I must have talked about in previous years, from the book of Zechariah in the Bible, it's the Old Testament now, and um, it says, now Zechariah lived at the beginning of the Second Temple. The problem was, which is very fascinating, and that is they had Tisha and, and the of means were destroyed by the Babylonians. Okay, that's A. And now, 70 years later, or whatever it was, they let him go back and rebuild the Second Temple, or at least to start it. So what is the status of Tishbub now? Now that you have a Bayashani, or you're going to do you still keep Tisha B'Av? That's just interesting. Is Tisha B'Av a commemoration of the past, or are you crying over the present? Correct? For example, nowadays, you and I, unfortunately, the situation, doesn't matter. We're, we're mourning when they destroyed the base of Mish, and we're also mourning the fact that we do not have a base of Mish. So the two are identical. The past tragedy extends to the present time. But what about if it didn't? Okay? It's a little bit like, I remember there were a few people they were drunk with victory after 1967 and they say you don't have to have Tishbev anymore because we conquered the arabs and you don't have to have Nahim because we got the old city back and all the rest of it nowadays i'm sorry to say what is it 1967 it's a uh, almost 60 years whatever it is right 50 some years uh nobody today say, "Oh, we hold jerusalem and you don't have to say nachem anymore everybody knows the arabs are all over the place and look at the recent fighting the Israelis said boo and they start shooting rockets from hamas so, uh, it's, uh, we're barely, I'm sorry to say, we're barely holding on. But there was a time of triumphalism. And during those few years, I remember there were, you know, super Mizrahi types who said, oh, now you don't have to say this prayer and that prayer. So, in a similar vein, not identical, but similar, the end of the time of the prophet Zechariah, Zechariah, <laughs> and it says, well, Hebrew Hashem's supposed to anymore. The prophet Zechariah says, Oh, I'm sorry, here it is, at beginning chapter 7. When Darius was a king, so this would be the, when they rebuilt the second temple. The Zechariah got a prophecy. A whole bunch of Jews with Geisha names, Sharetzer and Regim and so forth, came to visit the temple. So these are Babylonian Jews living in Bogo, and they're coming to offer carbonos and stuff like that. And I, you would say today, Shalas and They're coming with a, with a Shiloh to bring to the base of Midrash. They wanted to ask the Kohanim and the Vim who in Jerusalem, It's ke'bayam our, 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 our holiday today, our fast day. Should I continue to cry What's the point? We're rebuilding Jerusalem. We're rebuilding the temple. What do you got to cry for the old stuff for? Or, or am I wrong? They asked it as a straightforward question, okay? He knows there, should I continue to be Naziris? Not to refrain from this and that and the other, as we've been doing in mourning over the instruction-based submission, but now we're rebuilding it. So what is the law, okay? What is the law? And as is often the case, God gives the answer you don't expect, but he's where Hashem is supposed to say lie anymore. And God answers, tell the following, You've been fasting for 70 years. Do you think I like it? In other words, then, are you fasting for me? I got it. I don't fast. I don't want to eat and drink. You're the ones that fast, and you're the ones that eat and drink. The same prophecies that I gave from long ago still apply. But then, if you skip a whole bunch of psukkims, Right? It's a little confusing, but if you go to chapter eight, this is the part that the always quotes. Um here it is in chapter eight verse eighteen. All the classic Fast days. In other words, um not what do you call it? No Tishabov, Shiva Sibatamas, Sarbatavis, and the Tsum Gedalia. Right? Again, some uh, Ravid, some Khamishi, some Mashweed, some Asiri. So some Ravid would be our, our fast day. Some Khamishi would be Tishabow. And some Mashri would some uh, Gedalia, and some Rasiv is Yeh Ye alabesi hudal is salsam with sim call Tobin. As they say in English, my father used to say the fast days will become feast days. Okay? But then comes the oracle. Right? Then comes the unclear part. For Emis Bashal Mahavu. What is that? Just PC stuff? You know, what I mean? like what what does it mean? You should love Emmas Vishalm. So the plain forward way that I understand it to mean is provided you have unity. Yeah? Some some of the If you love truth and and uh, peace. Which the Jews never do. So therefore it's one of those open ended things. Let me put it to you this way. Here in the year twenty twenty one. Are you telling me that the Jewish people have Amos Vishmal I'll put even more uh uh biting. In the firm world is Amish, which all the groups get along with each other, baloney. So that's what it sounds like. If you'll get your act together and you'll bring actors, then the fast days will come feast days. So, how do you understand? this? in Pashap Shah, right? knows what I'm saying is like this Do we have to fast nowadays? This is a question discussed in the Gemara. I don't want to go into the Talmudic stuff right now, I'm just not in the mood. It's in Rosh Hashanah. But um, I'll tell you the angle. Which is something of a mystical angle. And that is the following. What do you mean the fast they become feast days? So the plain one plain way of saying it is like this. If you do teshuva, then in reward for doing teshuva, you have know, like a meter can egg or something like that, or tit for tat or tata, poetic justice, however you want to phrase it, and the fast days will be feast days. You can hear it like that. But mystically speaking, I think it's more than that. I'll tell you where I'm going with this. Today is Shabbat Shabbat Thomas What is the first what is the original shabbat rituals? Those what's the first tragedy of the five in the Mishnah, that on, on whose behalf they set up this um, fast day. I don't say they set up a fast day at that time, but when all five things happened at once on the same day, sooner or later somebody came up with the, the excuse me of the fast day. Although they did have it in the first temple, before they had the second temple stuff. In other words, before Sarf Apostomus of a Torah, which obviously was sometime second temple period, and before they had Hufka Ir the second with the Roman siege of Jerusalem that obviously was the second temple. Already, I just read you from the book of Zechariah, there is a some Ravion, Tzom chamishim. So there was a shabbos of Thomas going to that time, right? Going to at that time. Does that make sense? Okay. Now, um, consider well the following. Today is supposed to be Shavuos. Do you understand that? I've said it many times. Uh, hopefully you forgot it. Today is supposed to be Shavuos. What do I mean? Today's is Zman, Matan, Torah, singling. I repeat, Zman, Matan, Torah, Singham. What do you mean by that? The original time of Shavuos, back in Sivan, is not when the Torah was given. It's when the Ten Commandments were pronounced. I said a hundred times, right? It's, am I right or am I wrong? The Torah was not given then. God pronounced the Ten Commandments. They didn't give the tablets yet. Okay. The most you could say... Like a sagi type thing is well, you know. If you know how to decode it properly, all the Torah is located within the Ten Commandments. The six hundred and thirteen mitzvahs located within the Ten Commandments. Look, he's smarter than I am, but it's, that's a, that's a job to do that, and certainly not transparent, right? To make the argument, you can see all six hundred and thirteen mitzvahs somewhere in the uh, in the text Ten Commandments. That's a trick, okay? To pull that off. Rather, the Pashem shot goes like this. When the Jews came to Mount Sinai, uh, they haven't been in a good mood at the moment. God chaptarayim. He said, I'm going to pronounce the Ten Commandments today. But then, as we all know, he said like this. Now, this day of pronouncing the Ten Commandments commences a period of 40 days. I want Moshe to go up to the mountain 40 days and 40 nights. At the end of that time, I'll give him the tablets, which he did. Correct? So, Matan Torah even in the, uh, what's the right word, limited sense of the two tablets of the Ten Commandments, the uh, Luchos, at least it was something physical, right? At least. It's not the whole Torah yet, but at least it's something epic Moshe came down from the mountain with the two physical tablets that God created out of nothing um, on 40 days after Shavuot. Well, that's Shavuot of <laughs> Am I right or am I wrong? Moshe came down it turned out, unfortunately, that's the day they made the golden calf. Moshe got angry and he broke the tablets. They broke the tablets. But if they hadn't done that, then today would be Zman Mountain Torresino. In other words, nothing happens by coincidence. The good Lord obviously chose Shivasa Thomas <laughs> to be literally Zman Mountain Torresino. It's a happy day. It's a positive day, correct? It's a positive day. Incidentally, and this is just intriguing. Had they not screwed up, and as Montor is saying, you wouldn't have Yom Kippur. Because what is Yom Kippur about? After they messed up, and he broke the tablets, and they didn't have anything, Moshe spent 80 days dominating, 40 and then 40. The first 40 was to persuade God not to kill everybody, which he eventually succeeded in. And the second 40, starting from a and culminating on the 10th day of Tishrei, was when he persuaded God to give him another chance, and give him second tablets. So Yom Kippur, originally Yom Kippur is when he got the Lukoshneas. But if he would have not messed up on the Luchos, Rishonas, you wouldn't need Lukashinias. Just think about that. There'd be no Yom Kippur. At least not in the Yom Kippur in the sense that we understand it. Okay? The tens of Tishri, etc., etc. So today is supposed to be a fe- a feast day. Right? If it God's plan, it's the day he picked for a feast day. We screwed up and turned a feast day. So you see, there's something in the air of show us with Thomas it sounds like a morale type thing, although I, you know, I've never seen anybody say it. To me, it's pushup Shad. When I say Pashim if you just think about it for a second, you kind of see it because I didn't make any of this up. As you know, right? So consider, well, they made um, let's just figure this out. They made the day, which is supposed to be Martin Torah in the day of Shviros halucha So knows it's a bad luck day because of our perverseness. Bad luck day for the Torah. Oh, that's very good. Sarvapastmas is a Torah. <laughs> that's the day this guy posthumous destroyed the Torah. What did this guy do? Is it ha Torah? What do you mean? Uh, he destroyed ha Torah. So some say it means like this. Um, some say it means. The master copy of Moses, right? I read this in Shulchan How do we understand how it? Goes? before Moshe died, God told him write a bunch of Sefer Torahs and give one to each tribe. What? Huh? Give one to each tribe. So Reuven will have a copy. I mean, written by Moshe Rabbeinu himself. Okay, and Shimon will have a copy and Yisochar is won't well done of cetera But then make one extra copy as a master copy to prevent anybody from cheating. Otherwise, what will the Reuven Sefer Torahs like this? Ruvin gets three times as much land as anybody else. What will Yisachar say? Yisachar gets five times as much as anybody else. It's just the way it goes. In order to be sure, 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 right? That it isn't there. By the way, Ephraim and Minashe did get. It. So in order to be sure you have the right Nusach, there's a master copy to keep by the honest. And that master copy, which was written by Moshe himself, was originally kept in the Aron Kodesh, in the uh, Beit Amigdash, and so on and so forth. Uh, they say this is the one that was found in the time of Yoshi when they did the excavations because they had to hide it from wicked Jewish kings I repeat wicked Jewish kings Like Menashe and Ammon and these other guys all who wanted to destroy the original copy of Moshe Rabbeinu's Torah First of all because they wanted to destroy every single Torah they could have and I'll bet you this is just my own hunch knowing who Menashe was and these other guy Yoakim they probably want to get rid of the master copy, and then they could issue their own version of the Torah, and their version of the Torah, say, would say like this, bow down to the idols, <laughs> you know, kill your brother, you put whatever you want, and so this is much. I you don't have a master copy, to prove me wrong. <laughs> now, what happened to this master copy? I don't know, right? There are sources that say, I, I know you know this, that they're buried underneath the temple, Around, and let talk about that, right? I'm talking about the, not the, simply the, um, the Arun's, Uh, which had the Ten Commandments in it. I'm talking about Moshe Rabbeinu's individual copy that he wrote as an extra copy. Imagine what that would go for today, right? Where's the fancy? Actually, Moshe Rabbeinu's Torah. Now, um, what happened to this? We don't have it today. So one way of looking at it is it's also buried underneath the ground somewhere over there. Okay? Another one is that it's not. So if it's not, what happened? So the Greeks burnt it. In which case, if this is true, nobody even thinks about it when we get to Hanukkah time. One of the catastrophes. I would even say like this is a bigger catastrophe than destruction of the, than the rape of the temple that the Greeks perpetrated. If they burned burned Moshe Benus 13 Torah, that's a big catastrophe. And we didn't know of Atalmas, what a bummer. We can already see mystically that Shivasarathomas, the day the tablets were destroyed, the we've shown us, says, so M'sugl, let's put it this way, uh, for uh, other things that Moshe had to be destroyed. So let's put it this way. It ain't a great idea to schedule Achnas to say for for Shehwasa for Thomas. That's what it sounds like, right? Now, as I said before, how this would fit with the others is not so clear. Hamid and Behechol, you know, it's along those lines, you see, it's a day of profaning, uh, profaning. But, uh, as you know, there's also the two big tragedies that probably what most people recall when it comes to Shabbat and that's the breaching of the city round one and breaching of the city round two. At the time of Nebuchadnezzar with the first temple and then, what's his name, uh, Titus, you know, with the second temple, okay? But the two cases are not identical. Uh, the two cases are not identical. First of all, one is supposed to happen on the ninth, the other and the 17th. Uh, here's Yerushalmi. It's a little unusual in the fourth parrot and when it says Hufka ir, yishkan. they got the date wrong so according to this when it writes in the book right that um the base, the, the city was breached in the first temple on the ninth of thomas that's just the wrong uh what's the right word a wrong um, uh, date that's very interesting so what you're telling me is and these are marine what you're telling me is, not everything in the in the uh, Tanakh is literally true. It could be that some dates are wrong, for whatever reason. It could be other things are wrong. I mean, you're opening yourself up to an attack on Bible inerrancy, because usually say, it's there, it's right. You see, whether they're correct or not, there were and Amaroim, were prepared to say, for whatever reason, you know, the, the date here is wrong or not. Of course, the, the counter is, but they preserved the fact that it's a toast. So the Gemara says, right? That they uh, got the dates wrong. And it goes in the bottom with another passage, Kilka Cheshboniz And it's just interesting to hear your B'yohan Mishlakish. each one of them is trying to explain through the form of a mashal why they got the dates wrong and why they preserved the wrong date. Because you're saying, really, it's not the ninth of Thomas, Really, it's the Jehovah of the Thomas. But we're writing the ninth anyway, and one goes like this: uh, It's like a king who was make, who was writing out his uh, accounts, his money stuff. And one Sunday brought him terrible news: your, your son was captured. He was so uh, what's the right word? Upset by this, physically, mentally upset. He couldn't couldn't hold cup, and he started making mistakes in his calculations. So here's a guy working up the income figures, the outlay figures, his expenses like a good businessman. And they said, Oh, now came just a, ter- a, a terrible tragedy. I can't think. Right? And he writes the wrong figures. And he said, Right? And in later years, he looks back and he said, Oh, I remember this the day they told me my son was captured. That was such a terrible thing as a commemoration of that terrible tragedy, just keep the wrong figures there. Just keep the wrong figures there. And what Shlakish does similar, Mel Shmu's, Nishba Bin Khabiniskadesh, the son was killed. Okay? Hargo, and same idea. No they're saying is basically it's a mental breakdown, nervous breakdown. You couldn't hold cup to keep the uh, the dates right. Um and they decided when they wrote the book, even though later on they realized the date is wrong, to keep the date in there, so you'll know how bad we felt when we heard the news that base Hamish was destroyed, or the city was breached, or whatever it is. <laughs> it's like a permanent marker. That's a that's an interesting way of approaching it. Um, the other way, of course, is to say that um, what do you call it? That it really wasn't nice. I for <laughs> Now, in the halachic literature, uh, it's kind of funny. Just pulled out for the heck of it. The Kavakheim does he always. Has all these uh, different funny sources in a very good way. I like him and he says uh, By the way, this is just interesting um, He has a quote from the shloh You better not get angry today And you Jews you have to be honest In other words, not honest the way you are in business every day here, but really honest the When the is When the tainess is over you can go back to the regular um, but that's not what I was talking about. It's, according, they're, they're, and we have a pietistic tradition, many of them, in Judaism, as you know. After all, we recently had the uh, sphira, and the whole idea of, you know, practicing the uh, sphere restrictions to the pietism. It got adopted into mainstream Jewish practice, but from our very pious ancestors of old. As you know, it's not in the Gemara at all. So, um, when we have Recorded That by is the ninth by Shishin by is the 17th. There were Bali nefesh pietists real firmies cover your great 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 grandparents and they said this I'm gonna fast twice one for by Shishin by Shane and interesting So it says Bal nefesh, he's on the nefesh So there's such a, uh, a, a a Tradition okay others dispute this tradition for technical reasons, but I'm just telling you, it's just interesting. Now, there's an important difference between Bayes and Bayesheni. And again, I'll just do this by heart. I don't want to drive Chaim here too crazy. He's stuck here listening to me here. Now, um, if you take the trouble, look inside, you'll see in the, in the Tanakh, what happened in the first temple was as follows the Babylonian army was besieging Jerusalem. They literally waited till the food ran out. Um, in the book of echa, of course, it describes the horrors of the famine. Those who died from the sword had a quicker death than those who died. I'm sorry, from the famine that they wasted away. It's a terrible thing. We notice from the Holocaust, at least in my family, we do. My father went through this junk and uh, uh, eventually. By Shewasir Thomas or an of Thomas, the strength ran out. I mean, the the, Jews on the inside really ran out of steam, and they couldn't. They physically couldn't fight against the enemy, and the enemy was therefore able to breach the city, the uh, breach a wall in the city, and the Jews surrendered. So, in other words, when Shewasir Thomas, the king and some soldiers, ran away, I remember you look inside for the exact details, but the city was captured, and the fighting was over. On Shavazah Thomas or Ninth of Thomas. Let, let's go with Shavazah Thomas, for the heck of it. Right on Ninth of Thomas. I'm sorry, yeah, Shavazah Thomas. So they surrendered to the Babylonians. Like I said, the king ran away and was caught, and tortured to death, and the others, and the so on and so and such and such. What happened at that point? Who were the people there? Nebuchadnezzar was not there. If you read inside, you'll see, Nebuchadnezzar didn't even bother to show up during the siege. Like beneath his, his business, he had professional generals there. He had Sherman and Grant and all that, and they took care of the siege. Then that's Shiloh and Batomas. The city, when it was captured, was prostrate at the enemy's feet. So you had a starving population. It doesn't say whether the Babylonians fed them or not or anything. We will we will never know. Okay, we will never know. Um, I would I would like to think that they gave them what to eat, but you know it's totally possible. That they were starving, you know, in which case the three weeks that follows. is a time of of terrible suffering we commemorate. Imagine the Jews in First Temple period with the city captured by the Babylonians. I'm not even talking about the Babylonians killed and raped and all that. But totally separate from that, right? Um, they're starving and the Babylonians not giving any food. Uh where did I read this? The other day I was reading a thing about Grant. When they captured Vicksburg in 4th of July, this 1863, the soldiers were starving. I mean, Mama's starving. And the Union troops came in. They gave them food. <laughs> this was the enemy; that couldn't stand starving so much. But that was the Union Confederacy. I don't think it was the Babylonians. Anyway, when the city fell, meaning it surrendered, which was in Shabbat of Thomas. so then... They sent word to Syria where King Nebuchadnezzar was located at that time, in Rivla. And they said, we captured the city. What do you want us to do with it? Now, they didn't have telegraph. They didn't have telephone. So it took a while for, let's say, a Pony Express rider to to ride from Jerusalem to northern Syria. Just think about that, you know, in terms of logistics. And then to go to the king... And to get instructions, what should we do to the city? Should we kill everybody? Should we let them go? Should we burn the place down? Should we treat them nice? What are we supposed to do? What are we supposed to do? Um, the king sent one of his generals, Nebuzaradan, who was not at the siege, down with instructions. Nebuchadnezzar, if I remember correctly, showed up in 7th of Av, something like that, and the orders were to burn the city down. So no, it was done in cold blood, so to speak. One during a fight. And that's when they, it says they burned the, the every big house and the temple and all this kind of stuff, and they took the temple apart because Shlomo Melch had all this uh, bronze and who knows what and gold and silver. Um, and that's what happened then. So in other words, the city was captured on the first day. There was a period of three weeks that it took the message to get up north to Nebuchadnezzar and then bring down the orders with a general named Nebuchadnezzar and down. And then on the 8th or ninth of of. They proceeded to execute those orders. And they uh, as you all know. They burned the city down. And they marched the survivors. Off to Buffalo. Um Obviously. That's July August in the Middle East. Anybody that wasn't in great health died along the way. Like a batan death march. No question about that. There Must have been a ton of dead. Uh, must have been a ton of dead. Separate from that. There's a story in the Agatha, not in the Bible at all, that Nebuchadnezzar got uh, obsessed over the bubbling blood, and the bubbling blood caused him to kill a whole bunch of people. So there was some sort of either a massacre that took place in that time, well after the city had surrendered, when all these people just helpless, or they died, as they say, on the Batan Death March, except the young, able to do so. Because you tell me, are your age, I don't know how old you are listening to me, are you able to walk in the Middle East? It does probably didn't give me shoes. Uh, to Baghdad, because that's where Babylonia was, south of Baghdad. Walk from Israel there. Tell me about that. You really do that. So it must have been a horrible. The horrors of the Bataan Death March are not mentioned in the Tanakh. It's just very interesting. But instead, the civilian population surrendered on Shabbos Batamus. Now, um, by Hashem, it was a completely different story. Uh, how do we stop this for a second? I want to get a book. Okay, I'm going to take a second. Okay, gotta get used to this. Since part this is also being done video wise, so I'm going to show you something that's very important for anybody who wants to understand anything about Shavuot's at the plain level. Look what I have in front of me. It's an art school history of the Second Temple period, right? Many of you are familiar with this book. It's not the second one, Yamna yeah, this but it's the first one, which was really an Israeli eighth grade book. They translate in English history book long ago, but this is a good uh, map I'm about to show you, and if you see over here, okay, those of you in the video can see this map, those of you not, if you get the Art scroll Second Temple Book, it's on page 190, 190, to look at yourself, and this is by Shane, of course, and it's following Josephus, is what it is, don't tell anybody, and if you look over there, I'm going to try to point and make some sense out of this, um, it says the Romans, the siege of Jerusalem by Titus started right after after Pesach, so the Romans penetrate the new city, seventh of year It's number one, which would be, uh, over, over here. What's wrong with me? I can't see. I can't see the things well, but it would be over over here, right? Okay, and then the, the seventh of year, pretty soon after Pesach. The Romans established a new camp within the city. Then they breached the second wall on the 15th of Eur. That's over here. They breached the second wall on the 15th of ER And then they raised the Antonia. Uh, they captured Antonia on the 5th of Thomas. So in other words, by the Roman siege, um, 12 days before Shabbat Thomas, the Romans captured the fortress which was adjacent to the temple, named after Mark Antony, that Herod had built. Uh, again, this was a, a fortress adjacent to the temple, where the Romans in the old days used to have soldiers there to control the temple activities. And for various reasons, they they lost it, and now they recaptured and destroyed it. And then it says, "Antony is raged," and then they penetrate the Temple Mount. That's over here. Okay, so they started here, and they went this way. In which case, Shilas of Thomas is a different character. So what's what Thomas means. As part of the general assault in the city, the Romans wanted the, uh, for military purposes, wanted to capture what they regard as the vital center of the Jewish uh, resistance. They identified that as the Temple Mount, not incorrectly. We all know that the Temple Mount is not identical with the Temple. The Temple Mount, the higher bias, is where the base image is located. So if you look over here, you can kind of see there's, what I'm pointing to now, is the um Har-hab-ay-is with the base of Ming They breached the the Harabaias wall, with the Kotos part of that, on Thomas And then they continue to fight like the Alamo for the next three weeks. Okay? And on above on the eighth and ninth of August is when they broke into the building of the base of Misha itself proper on top of the Temple Mount, which is crazy. That means that they were fighting hand-to-hand in a small area of the higher bias from Shabbos of to Tisheba basically uh, that boggles the mind and there's not a lot of water in this and that and the other in the middle of the summer um, eventually the Romans broke in I'm not going to discuss that now but that's a very different story than the bias Rishon so it means that the three weeks that you and I are about to start was a period of continuous combat with the Romans um, and, and starvation for the rest of the city. Because, just you should know this, when they, even even after Tisha B'av, here it is, even after Tisha B'av, when they capture the Temple Mountain, uh, the rest of the city, which wasn't captured by them yet, continued to resist. Isn't that interesting? Um, so, Tisha B'av isn't really over, honestly, until right the 9th of Elul want to get down to it it's a sad story it's like the Germans they chased him in sewers and stuff like that it's all in great detail in Josephus if anybody's interested in reading it this is the time you need to read it if not you're not reading Josephus in the three weeks when are you reading it I'm talking about his account of the Jewish war so the very notion of Hufka Irba Rishon which is true but they're not the same story just repeated twice the first time it was the city surrendered totally Then you had that three-week of limbo until they decided to march everybody off to captivity and kill whoever they killed. Masha'en came by the Romans, they were fighting on the Harabais, And in the rest of the city as well, the parts they had conquered, all during the period we call the three weeks. So either way, uh, you certainly see that the period we call Shabbat of uh, had its own brand of tragedies. Uh, As I said, you can sort of see It should have been uh, Shavuos. Uh, Obviously, it didn't turn out into that. Uh, You have two blows against the Torah, and then you have the blows against the Basim Yiddish. But but of a different character. I think I overloaded you with a lot of uh, facts. But at least somebody should have an idea of what Shavuos of is at the basic level. And with that, I'll let you go and, uh, what's the right word, survive the rest of the fast day. And... uh, Now Chaim will tell me whether we did this right technically or not. And with that, I bid you a good day and have an easy fast. For sponsorship opportunities or to support this podcast, please visit our donate page at www.support.rabbidavidkatz.com.